The Jerry DePoto Show, presented by Seattle Pump and Equipment on Seattle Sports. Good morning, Jerry. Morning, guys. What's happening? What was week two like for you? <laughs> uh, better than week one. You know, it, it was uh, a, a decided step forward, both in, in uh, I guess, the, the product on the field, the, the consistency still, you know, it teeters. Uh, but over the last eight games, you know, after a rough five-game start over the last eight, you know, I, I think our offense is showing up and doing the things that we thought the offense could do and, and our pitching has been taxed. You know, our, our bullpen has been beaten up early on in the, in the season with, with some short starts, and, and that hasn't been great. But otherwise, I feel like week two was a step in the right direction. You know, I was just saying to, to, to Salk there, Jerry, it feels like this season through two weeks for me, just the optics and the lenses. It's like I, I know what Mariner baseball is now. Like last season, like you know now what Mariner baseball is and what they're all about. And I don't know. I'm not even like looking at the standings or the schedules or the wins or the losses or anything. It's just kind of measuring, almost measuring yourself against yourself. And that's a, I don't know. Do you find that to be a good thing, a helpful thing that this is who we are and, and we know the standard with which we can play? Yeah, you know, I think for most of the next five months, that's all we'll do is measure ourselves against, you know, what we think the best version of ourselves might be. And, you know, it's a, we're still evolving. You know, this is uh, there. We, we have some new players on this team. We, we've it's still just 13 games into our season and, you know, the ship just left the dock. But there's there's so much left to, to learn about this team. So many young guys that are taking steps forward or, you know, maybe they won't. And we have veteran players who most of whom are off to good starts. And, you know, the, the individual players, I think, are doing things that, that make it uh, interesting here in these first two weeks and, and give you hope about what it'll look like five months from now. And one thing we found ourselves discussing this week was the difference between talent and execution. And, you know, I, I think when you see a couple of games, it's easy for some folks to to make large scale suppositions about what they mean going forward for that player or that team or whatever. As someone in your position, how do you how do you tell the difference between talent and execution? You know, I did. Really, that is the story of our season. We have a ton of talent, and and I think that's recognized on on a national, you know, or global level. Our execution over the course of the first week was poor, and you know, I think that's picked up quite a bit in the last, you know, seven eight games. You're going to have the the roller coaster days. We had one the night before last in Chicago, and you can't help as a fan, and you know, frankly, me, I'm sitting here watching it too, and you can't help but ride the roller coaster and and feel like the you know the the sun is falling on the earth. But it's it's a it's a single baseball game in a 162 game season, and I try to remind myself of it all the time. Yeah, it's it's a marathon. Sometimes you're going to stumble, and sometimes even the best players in the world have an off day at work, and you know, you wake up the next day and it looks different. Is it helpful for you at all? As I find it to be for me, but that's just my personality. Is it helpful for you to get mad in the game so that you don't overreact after the game? Does that make sense? You know, I do. Oddly, it absolutely does. And and oddly, uh, the day before last, I did get mad watching the game. <laughs> as I'm me too. as I'm watching it, you can't help it. You know, it's uh, I I saw it. I, I spent four years as a, as a player in Colorado in the nineties. And that's what it looked like. <laughs> and, you know, and then shortly afterward, I was 
texting back and forth with Scott and in, in the evening. And, and we were, we were talking about the, the remembering what it was like to play in those environments, especially at Wrigley field on the nights where the wind's blowing out. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, the, the anger gets tempered a little bit and you think, you know, I've been guilty of this too. And, you know, it'd be hypocritical of me to, to not acknowledge the fact that it's a really hard thing to go out there and be that consistent over six month period. I know that uh, Salk's going to dig into Kelnick with you here in a second, uh, but I'm going to ask a simple one. Any idea where that ball that he hit last night lands at uh, at T-Mobile? I, I well, I'm pretty sure it's my backyard. <laughs> it's uh, and it, it may actually still be on its way here. I'm not sure, but it, he he launched it. It was uh, it was a notable series for for JK, especially the the length of the homers. What has been the key to his start? Uh, consistency in his approach, you know, his, uh, Jared has uh, said this coming into spring training, even leaving the, the off season, he's just in such a much different place than, than the past couple of years. He's, he's matured quite a bit in his approach to, to a baseball game. And I, right now his, his focus at bat to a bat, I, I thought the, you know, yesterday was notable. I thought the night before when he, when he went out there and battled through those, those at-bats when he got down two strikes. You know, that's what you want to see a young hitter do. He takes the couple of walks, he sees pitches, and then later on in the game when he gets one in, in the wheelhouse, he can just drive it. And it's, uh, his, his approach in the box has been as consistent as anybody we've had since day one. And I'm thrilled for him and for us that he's seeing some some returns on it because I, I really can't say enough about where he's at in terms of plan. How many humans in the game of baseball today can hit those three shots at the rate, the velocity, the distance, and those things that he did? How, how many other guys in baseball on back-to-back-to-back, and not the consistency of doing that, but literally just say, okay, you know, can you hit this ball with this launch angle, this exit velo, and this far? How many guys do you think in the game today can do that? Not many. And, and, and when, when it does happen like that, sorry, Archie didn't like that one. You know, it does. <laughs> I think when, when it does, when it does happen like that, you know, it is it, guys like Aaron judge, the, the ball just jumps and it explodes off the bat. And it's obvious you see it a fair bit. And over the course of a, a batting practice round, but in games where where there is you know a, a pressure, there's an there's an outcome that matters. You really don't see it that often. And, I, and from the, the you know the ninth inning homer that, that ties the game, the drama associated with with that. I thought the most impressive one was the oppo homer into the tunnel. That's you know that, that's a long way for a right-handed hitter to pull a homer, much less a left-handed hitter to hit it oppo. And I don't care what the conditions are. That's a long way to hit a baseball. And one, you know, as we talked through, Jared's obviously been one of the great starts to this, uh, great stories to start this season. One thing that I've been surprised at, because it's been really the exact opposite of the hallmark of this team, is is maybe some of the sloppiness and some of the mistakes, mental mistakes, et cetera, that we've seen late in games a few times. What do we chalk that up to? Because it, it has not at all been what this team's been about for the last few years. You know, and that's what I meant when I said that, you know, early on our execution was not on par with our talent. And we have been a very disciplined team, you know, in the batter's box and how we manage the strike zone and how efficient we are defensively. And, and that has been true for the last couple of years. That, that's not a new development. 
that's what this group does. And, you know, the, the players who've been here for a number of years, have, that's the personality or, I guess, a trait that they have brought to, the, to Mariners baseball. That's what we do. And, and, and we didn't do that early on. We were very sloppy. And it was, you know, I, I think atypical of what we're about. And I think we'll get back to that. I can just chalk it up to early season. Guys are on their feet more than, than they have been. And, you know, this seems like a small thing. But in that first week, you know, we were the team that started first and played seven when everybody else had played six. And it doesn't sound like much, but when you're coming out of five and six inning games and spring training, it takes a little while to work into your legs. And I, and I think that's what we were watching with the guys. Is there anything to that pitch clock of just speeding up? You know, maybe that's a term you will hear in baseball at times. I've certainly heard it over the last 15 years. All the game just sped up on him. In that moment, the game just sped up on him because he just made a, a mistake or made a throw or made a made a play that just he, you know, was, was normally would not do that. But is there any anything to maybe in these first few weeks still feeling out, especially for the pitchers, for, for Brash and for Penn Murphy in those moments to, you know, to still feel out what the timing uh, and, and the mechanism is going to be with this pitch clock? Oh, I think I think that's something that we saw a fair bit of, and not just us with the Mariners, but across the league. And you know, now as as we're in week three of our season, it is that's that seems to be solving itself. You know, uh, as with each passing week, there have been fewer violations. We're just it's not it's no longer an issue. You know, now it's something that the players are just adjusted to and. I think there's still an occasional, you know, blurb, you know, that that happens during the course of a game that you might see in a, you know, in a in a box score with a, a violation. But it's it's now more the exception than the rule, and uh, it's, it makes the game crisper and cleaner. And I think it's a it's a win for everybody, even the players. I think everybody is is enjoying the effect that it's had on the game. Jerry, if you could wave a magic wand and get one guy going, one guy who struggled a little bit out of the gate going, who would it be? I mean, this this is, uh, of course, not including returns from injury. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think obviously the guy who has struggled the most is Colton Wong. And, you know, to see him get it going. We've had some guys start slowly in the first week and, and they get it going. But, you know, Colton has, has been, you know, the one who's not really found any traction, despite, I think, making good swing decisions until very recently. And, you know, might be pressing a little bit now. But this is a guy who, frankly, struggled last April and then turned it around to have maybe the best offensive season in his career. So I'm not too worried about it. I think it's it's one of those things that will solve itself. But you know, it's a, it'd be nice for him to go out and, and have a couple of multi-hit games just to feel good about where he's at. Is you know, he's he's been a very consistent and productive player in this league. Who's had you know a, a rough couple of weeks in his in his new uniform, and, and that's never easy for a player. So I'd like to see it just for his own you know sense of relief. Is there anything underlying with his struggles? You mentioned the swing decisions. Do you have numbers on bat speed or you know range factor speed that type of stuff? Is there is there anything underlying that shows that he might be slowing down, or is it just sort of the way he started the year? That's just the way he started the year. Actually, it's quite the opposite. We do have the, the data you're talking about or suggesting, and, and particularly as it relates to, to his swing decisions, his bat speed, it's, a, it's all trending up. You know, oddly enough, he's made what are excellent to, you, know, you could argue, elite-level swing decisions. He's 
hasn't really found any results. And and over the course of a 40 or 50 plate appearance stretch in a big league season, you're going to run into that. You know, just unfortunate for Colton. And and it's a new uniform. It's a new team. It's a new city with a fan base and, and high expectations, et cetera, and so on. So it's, it's, it's frustrating or disappointing for him that the, those 40 or 50 at-bats were right out of the chute. But if there were 40 or 50 at-bats in June or July where he's making great decisions and getting no results, I don't think we'd, we'd even be having this discussion. But it's not, and and would like to see him get on track. I think last week I shared with you, uh, it was like the debut of the, of the DH, you know, some 50 years ago, whatever it was. Today... Actually, in 1954, Hank Aaron debuted on this day in 1954. I know um, we lost Hank, and he's not coming back to be a DH, um, but I am just continuing to be curious about that that position. For some reason, that has been one of the biggest struggles thus far through different guys being put into that spot. Uh, any, to Salk's point, any numbers, anything standing out in particular about the production at DH? No, it's, it's been suboptimal, you know, I'll say that, <laughs> and you know, we're we're doing it the way we wanted to do it. And we've had we've had Teoscar Hernandez, we have had Cal Raleigh, we have had Tom Murphy, we've had DHs who we believe in as offensive players and for whatever reason, they're hitting. They just don't hit on the day they DH. And you know, DHing is a little bit different and it's uh it's an adjustment for a lot of people. But I again over the long season, we just think it's gonna you know, it's gonna solve itself and you know, especially as as we gain traction offensively, like we have these last eight games, there's we will figure it out. As long as we're scoring five and a half runs a game, like we had for the last week, I'm I'm going to be perfectly fine waiting for it to sort itself out. Will we see uh, at some point some of the infielders get a shot there? I mean, it seems like Ty France and Eugenio and those guys have essentially been in there almost every game so far. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, part of that is due to the fact that after that first week where we had a pretty steady run, now we're in that mode where Thursdays are generally off days for the next month or so. And and I think that gives us a chance to get guys off their feet. I think you might see in this series, you know, if, uh, we're seeing a string of right-hand pitching with the exception of, of one lefty. You know, I think you're going to see some days where A.J. Pollock can get in there and, you know, either spell Teoscar and let him DH or where A.J. takes the DH. Uh, it's it's really not that big a focus for us. You know, over the course of the season, I think it'll solve itself. But, you know, if it if it gets the, the, the action going on, on the radio this morning, then maybe that's what we should focus on. <laughs> uh, anything in Walter's Chev report uh, from last night's performance that stood out? pretty doggone good you know it, uh, his his secondary stuff has come so far and it's uh, going back to the to the start of the, the the show this morning i think you know with with logan it is his fastball is always going to be a special pitch and it is now he could have gone out there with the fastball he had yesterday and just rolled through most lineups and you know what, what he did was he incorporated all his pitches in a different way than any past version of Logan has ever incorporated them. I really like his split. You know, yesterday he threw a number of really good breaking balls, and you can tell he was feeling it. And in the middle part of that start, you know, when he had a little bit of a hop coming off the mound, and it's a, it's about as crisp an outing as he's had, uh, well, for certain this year. And uh, with the secondary stuff, I really do think it just creates a new ceiling for Logan, which was already very high. 
Any updates on uh, any of the guys that we're waiting to see, uh, whether it's Dylan Moore or I know Robbie Ray is going to be out for a little while, but any any health updates? Not really. You know, uh, Dylan is back in Seattle this weekend for some rehab work, and we're hoping to get him off to start a, a rehab assignment in the not-too-distant future. And taking it slow, want to make sure that, that when he gets back on the field, it is at least it's permanent from a, from an oblique perspective. We, we don't want to push. Those things are so unpredictable. And uh, it's, he's an important player for the, the entirety of our season, so we want to make sure he's there for as much of it as he can be. And uh, nothing with Munoz or Robbie right now. They're just kind of in wait-and-see mode. Yeah, Mooney's actually throwing. You know, he's, he's playing catch, I think. And it's it, I don't suspect that we are going to be without Andres for very long. It is, it is why we shut him down. It was just to be proactive on the front end of this. And the weather's been cold. He didn't have a full spring training. So uh, the, the fact that he was feeling a little sensitive in, in the shoulder area was probably uh, it's not entirely shocking and you know we took the opportunity just to shut him down and I, I think by itself that put a little more stress on what was already you know a pretty uh fatigued bullpen so it's a, it'll be nice to get him back i do suspect it will be sooner than later and my guess is he's probably back here sometime in april and, and it won't be terribly long but we'll have to wait and see I remember, Jerry, a couple of years ago when we saw Paul, C- Paul Seawald at the major league level for the first time, the slider just popped. It's like, whoa, hold on. That looks a little different from everybody else that's uh, been throwing so far. And obviously, he's gone on to, to really great things ever since then. Uh, I kind of had a similar moment watching uh, Topa the other day, and, and it's not with the slider, but probably more with that two-seamer and the amount of run he gets and seeing him yesterday in the eighth inning. Is that a, a guy who could end up in some more high-leverage spots before it's said and done? Oh, I think so, and I think you can put Gabe Spire in that bucket too. And, you know, when you add it to Mooney and Seawald and, and what we get from Matt Brash, it's, it's such – I have to give a ton of credit to, to Trent and to Woody and our pitching group – to our scouts and our analysts who, who consistently come up with really interesting targets to go out and acquire. And, and guys like Topa and Spire are really representative of that. And, uh, when, when you're going very quickly, you know, you're in the second week of your season and you're tapping into your depth and guys like that show up. And, you know, Gabe's been in the league you know, on and off. Topa's not a young guy. These are, these are guys that, that we made very simple uh, adjustments with, and in some cases, as with Topa, really not much at all. Hey, just attack the heart of the plate. And he gets, you know, 20, 25 inches of horizontal movement on both his sinker and his slider, which makes it really hard to hit. When the, you know, if you want to do those overlays with Topa, with where the ball looks like it's going to be and where it ends up, if, if he is in or around the strike zone, he's going to be very difficult to hit. And, and that gives him a chance to really play a big role on our team. And I'm just happy he's healthy and throwing well because his stuff is too good not to, to be an impact major league pitcher at some point. I got two uh, last quick things here for you, Jerry. Number one, do you think the Rays are going to lose or do you think they're going to be 162-0? and <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm betting right now on the 162-0. and it's, uh, it's, it's hard to watch them. And, and not be convinced with how good they are. Their, their pitching is, has always been so solid, and they have a young, fun team. I, I don't think that they will steamroll teams the way they have been steamrolling. They, they, had, uh, you know, they had probably a favorable schedule coming out, and, 
and they did what really good teams are supposed to do when the schedule allows them. And it's uh, they have they have all the ingredients. They do super interesting things. They have a lot of young talent. They have veterans who've been there. They right now they're controlling the, the strike zone like nobody's business, and they're hitting it out of the ballpark. They're good team, smart, smart club. Uh, last thing is in a couple of weeks we'll have this NFL draft, and I don't know. It feels like in the NFL it's so heavy on comps. Right, all these analysts, all these networks try to find, oh, this guy comps with this guy, and this guy comps with this guy, and this guy is measurable. And I find myself, frankly, doing it an awful lot. I'm just kind of curious, coming back to the story of today and this day, and that is really Jared Kilnick and what he did to Wrigley Field. Who is his comp? Do you guys live in that world as much as it seems like the NFL world does when you compare and contrast guys? Is there is there somebody that you kind of look at his comp, but Bryce Harper's a name from a swing path and swing ferocity that comes to mind? Is that in any way fair to do? Yeah, it's we, we do it nonstop. We do it in draft day. We do it sitting there watching, you know, workouts on the backfield. And, you know, very rare is, is the time where I think, oh, this is no brainer. It's so and so. I usually think it's just pieces of different players. Ah, this reminds me of the way so and so did such and such. And you know, I there's so many different, you know, component pieces of, of each player, their game, defense, base running, you know, the way they look in the batter's box the way they look in a uniform. And, and I think, you know, in baseball, we're often guilty of comparing someone to someone who they look like physically. And I, I don't know if that's that's fair. And, and I don't know, honestly, if it's fair to comp, you know, players to other players because the, the generations change so much. But there are things about JK that I'm reminded of JD Drew, you know, when JD was, was healthy and doing all the things that he could do on a baseball field. Yeah, uh, with that scene, you know, it, the 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 look, the, the explosiveness, the athleticism, you know, he's got some Michael Conforto in him. He's got there's so many different you know pieces that that you could put together, and they're all pretty good. <laughs> so you know, I'm really excited to just see him carve out his own niche. Tell you what, I don't know if two people could have more different personalities than Jared Kelnick <laughs> and JD Drew. I covered J.D. Drew for a year or so in Boston. When they won the World Series in 2007, he didn't even react. I've never seen a more flatline person than J.D. Drew in my life. As I said, component part. (laughs) Hey, somebody brought up a comp the other day uh, with Julio and Daryl Strawberry. Do you think there's anything, anything there? Yeah, not something I ever actually considered, uh, but you know, I, I guess in in how in his time, you know, Straw was so dynamic in mm-hmm. the early mid '80s, and just different than the other players on the field. Uh, and, I, and I don't know if that makes it sense. When Daryl Strawberry came to the big leagues, there was an air of freshness, and it was you know a moribund franchise that needed a shot in the arm that got a, a big young athletic star who could do virtually anything on a field that sounds familiar and you know i think to to that extent you know the the, the whole package that 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 julio brings to the table i could say there are probably some similarities but you know, again i just think that that there's so many different yeah. pieces that go into making a player and you know Julio at this stage in his career and I think Straw would be the first to tell you is is well ahead of where Straw was from a preparation and maturity standpoint even if the skills you know might be comparable pretty darn cool Jerry thank you for taking the time week two is better than week one let's hope week three is better than week two and when we talk to you next week this thing will be rolling we appreciate it thanks we'll talk next week 
right, guys. Look forward to it.